What's up, y'all? My name is Ian Edwards, and welcome to the Soccer Comic Rant. Uh, let me see if I could show this shirt off for the people watching on YouTube. Yeah, it's a brand new United shirt bought to me. Bought, it's a Christmas gift for my manager. It has my, my name on the back. Let me see. Let me just do if I could just do this. Can you see it, Neil? A little, a bend a little. Oh yeah, here we go. No, yeah, yeah, this is fine. Edward Seven. Yeah, yeah so uh, United's new right back. United's new right back. Y'all just signed <laughs> it. Uh, it's on. It's on and popping. One Basaka the lot watching that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's on. Yeah. Uh so today on this episode, we're gonna be talking Arsenal getting getting uh it handed to them in the second half by a determined Circle the wagons, Man City. If they're gonna take our titles, they ain't gonna take this one because we're gonna run this to the end of the table. So Pep found the thing that he wanted, galvanized his team, siege mentality, and they're gonna be tough to beat from now on. I suspect. Uh, we're gonna talk about Man United versus Barca at the new camp in the Europa League, the biggest. Uh, Europa League game in recent history. And uh, we're going to talk Chelsea mm. versus who did you play again? It's been so many games. Who did you play yesterday? Or oh, the day we before? played Borussia Dortmund. Borussia Dortmund in Champions League and Spurs in Champions League and uh, PSG versus Bayern in Champions League. Mm. And maybe we'll get to some of the upcoming games this weekend. But uh, we have one of the usual suspects, Neil Shakovati, stand-up comic, uh, Chelsea fan. What's going on, man? All good. Um, pretty exciting week. Lots of big matchups. Lots of different competitions. And yeah, a lot of things have changed since last week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So leading up to Wednesday, and, and, it, and it's great that, you know, like some things happen for a reason. So mm. Chelsea, Arsenal started off the season on fire, right? And in the middle of the season, we, or before the middle of the season, we have the World Cup in a weird place in December. But also because the Queen died, uh, it also changed the schedule up. So that when the schedule settles, there's a game midweek between Arsenal and Man City, who are both neck and neck at the top of the table. And this game determines who is going to be at the top of the table at this point in the season. So it's just, so there's got to be some force that controls soccer to make this match based on all the disturbances in the season schedule happen. Like as a, you know, there were no other games in the Premier League this Wednesday and there were Champions League games, but there was this huge ass match for first place for this point of the season, like perfectly just placed there mm -hmm. by everything that happened to put it there. And uh, I watched the game, and it was a pretty amazing game. And uh, it, it, and, and I was just it, it just delivered. 
on all cylinders. And uh, Arsenal started off the game like the way they start off most of their games, like at it. You know what I mean? Just at it. And they 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 pressed, they attacked, but they couldn't get that clear opportunity. I mean, they had one with the header for Enketia, but they didn't put it in the net. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah. so they had that. But, you know, in the second half, was that the second or oh, the first half, like uh, Jack Grealish pressing Tamayasu and making him make a bad back pass to the keeper and De Bruyne jumping on it, put that ball in the back of the net. And then, uh, like, and then the, the the equalizer from the penalty from Saka, and then uh, just I, I feel like all the goals were caused from pressure. All four goals because you have the Tamayasu goal, and then the penalty, and Ketia won that, but he won it after one of his teammates stole the ball or intercepted the pass from Rodri and passed it into him in the penalty box and he ran into the space and got fouled after he tried to shot on Man City's keeper Edison. And then the other two goals that City scored were definitely like like defender errors. Like in the second half, Man City decided we're going to press harder, we're going to bring more energy, we're going to match their energy and pass their energy and a lot of people want to say the game changed for Man City when Akanji came in, but it changed before it even came in. And then Akanji being substituted in added to it. They took out Mares, they moved Bernardo Silva. And then, you know, like I said, even before that, there was like this extra smartness or streetwiseness about Man City. And, and Pep actually kind of went practical. Like, and, and it was that practicality because at that point, Pep was like, I'll take this 1-1 draw yeah. up here. And Arteta's like, I'm home. I want to win this. <laughs> so it, 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 it kind of like, you know, Pep was willing to bend and Arteta was like, they got to break me. And City broke them. And also yeah. there's... Something Pep did that was a bit practical too, as far as like, Anderson, clear that ball out the back. Like you're going to clear it like it's one of your long passes, but I don't care if it gets to anybody. Like they're not going to just pressure us in the back and overturn us like this. And Arsenal was too determined to play the ball out the back, which has gotten to them to where they are now. So people can like question it, which some fans are. But mm. that's who you are. You play the ball out the back. You've gotten some amazing goals from playing the ball out the back. And if you're going to be the team that plays the ball out the back, ultimately you want to be able to do it against anyone. And for the Arsenal fans who are mad at Pep, or I mean, are mad at Arteta, for continue to play the ball out the back, especially in a game like this. Like, there's going to be a point when nobody can stop you from playing the ball out the back. But you need games like this to make mistakes in so you can improve upon that, you know? Like, I remember years ago, when Arteta first got the job and he wanted to play the ball at the back and they'd make mistakes and they'd give up goals, fans being mad. But now mm-hmm. they love it up until yesterday. Uh, but this is who you are. So 
you know, you want to be able to do it against anybody. This was a tougher opponent than most. They're the reigning champs. So, yeah, I'm sure the players from Arsenal learned something yesterday from their mistakes, and that's what you want. And uh, another thing is people are, Arsenal fans are so emotional because they haven't won in so long. So when you watch Arsenal fan TV, I knew this would happen where they blame Enketia, but, and they blamed him for like two open chances that they feel that he missed, but none of them in their anger or their emotionless emotion, emotionality, like, which, which is a word I think I've just made up, like acknowledges that he's the one that won them the penalty to bring the game even. They just want to be upset that they lost. They're in fear of losing the league because they didn't believe they could win the league going into the season. But up until yesterday, thought, hey, we could actually win this. And then yesterday's result is the first time that brought them crashing down to like this defeat that they felt for years towards the end of Wenger's reign up until now. So, yeah, man, you, you're still in it. And I'll say something else afterwards about Arteta, which will give Arsenal fans hope. But, like, how did you see this? Um, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, Pep, the way Pep was practical, he would, you know, between Pep trying to be Antonio Conte and Arteta trying to be Pep, We we got a hell of a game because I actually I felt like before the game Mm because for me like uh, like logically the way I see title races in the Premier League for a long time Mm -hmm. Arsenal had uh, had a points lead over Manchester City right so I would have thought it's it would actually be uh, Arteta and Arsenal who would be happy with the point. Right. Especially when you got back to 1-1 and the game was... Yeah, I mean, there were some chances, but there was a period in there where not a lot of was happening. Mm-hmm. But uh, Arsenal, again, like went for it, which is great. Like, you know, that's the thing that has made Arsenal and this team under Arteta successful. So why shouldn't they back their strengths? But uh, mm-hmm. it's interesting to see, like, the guy who pretty much... Uh, laid the template for that attitude, like Guardiola. He's like, you know, my team is gonna play this way no matter what, uh, mm-hmm. regardless of opponents. I remember that when he first came to the Premier League, his first season, there mm-hmm. was there was a lot of they barely made top four. By the way, uh, that was that insane Claudio Bravo uh, uh, goalkeeping season where he just you know he they had a terrible defense that season, and. There was a lot of criticism because there's also Guardiola first season in the Premier League, right? Like, so there's a lot of criticism about his players not tackling. Right. They had Mangala, Artemendi, who ended up playing good on the pet. And like you said, Claudio Bravo. I don't know if they'd gotten rid of. Uh, they had company, but he was like injured Joe, half the time. And I don't know if it, was that the season they got rid of Joe Hart? Or they got they got, Joe Hart he got rid of Joe Hart after. right away. Right away. Which but was, the guy he bought was bad too. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then he made this famous statement that um, I don't teach my players to tackle. We don't we don't do any tackling. We don't we don't do tackling in training. Mm-hmm. Kinda I'm probably paraphrasing it's been a while since that statement, mm-hmm. but he he pretty much basically said 
you know, this is the way I play. This is the way I've played in Spain. This is the way I've played in Germany. And this is going to be the way I'm going to play in England and just deal with it. You know, your criticism really doesn't matter to me. And, you know, he's made, he's made that count uh, season after season, uh, like more than, what, he's like seventh year now, maybe. So the fact that he actually chose to be practical in a game of this magnitude and, uh, you know, gave the ball away, was was comfortable, you know, giving possession away. And mm-hmm. um, it, it made for a great con- contrast in, in styles, which I was not expecting before the game. I thought it was going to be literally, you know, two, two teams going at each other, bang, 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 bang. Um, but uh, I think the contrasting styles were great. Uh, as you said, like mistakes, right? Like the whole... The mistake from Edison, the mistake from Tamiyasu, the mistake from Gabriel, um, the critical points of the game were decided by mistakes. And maybe that's a little to do with the fact that this Arsenal team, no matter where they're in the table, they're still a very inexperienced team. So, you know, maybe this is the kind of game where, where that shows up and the stakes of it, the fact that they've actually not won a game in the previous three games, that sort of pressure. Um, you, you just feel like to win a league over Man City, you need a little bit of a buffer and now they don't have that buffer anymore. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, credit to Arteta, you know, he, he went for the game, he, he tried to win it but against a team like man city you you better be effective and not make any mistakes and that didn't happen and they are the masters at making uh, you know making use of every opportunity uh, and their the big boys showed up you know grealish scores the winning goal erling haaland uh, a beautiful assist i think that was his best play in the game even better than the goal he scored so yeah, it was, a, it was a great game to watch and uh, a befitting uh, title, you know, the, the head-to-head title dis, uh, challenges. I, yeah, I, I think it was far tighter than... Uh, I, I don't think Arsenal fans should be that, uh, you know, upset because I think it was far tighter than the 3-1 score line. Yeah, because that goes in line with the thing I was going to say about Arteta and worried, panicking, freaking out Arsenal fans. But before I even say that, because it's all, the only thing, it, it's just fun to see Arsenal fans freak out. I'm not surprised you know, at all. Like, like, you know what I did immediately? Not watch the post-game commentary from all these professors. <laughs> I went to Arsenal fan TV. So I, had <laughs> yeah. I had a ball watching these guys like yeah. lose it over there. And even expressions, uh, yeah. a Spurs fan like went in on them <laughs> because he's like, They've been killing him. So he's like, yeah. he wanted revenge. But uh, that was good fun yesterday. I even told my homeboy Lloyd, who's a Villa fan. and Oh, he, they're playing he, them he, next, right? They're they playing them next. And it's yeah. going to be the revenge of like uh, Emery. He's like, oh, you fired mm. me. And you, you're, you just are, are second place in the league. And why wouldn't I make you stay second place yeah. with this team that yeah, I got yeah, yeah. here? Yeah, you think, you think you're going to win the league without me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, not on my watch. So, I, I, so one of the things I wanted to say was, damn it, 
so we were talking about like who who should have went for what in this game, and Pep shows his experience over Arteta, even though Arteta came up under Pep. It's like Pep played this game based on his practicality to win the league, and Arteta played this game to win the game. And the person who played the game to win the league won the game, and it will mm. probably most eventually win the league. Like Arteta at one one was going for it. Like he's young, he wants to win, and he feels like he has to win to win the league. And Pep is like, I'm behind you. I have less points, and uh, but I'll take this one one. I'll play practical. I'll give over possession, uh, and, and I'll and I'll uh, and I'll concede some things to at least get a point out of this. I'm away. I'm on the road, and winning here. Getting a draw here is good because if I get you back to my spot, I'll, you know, I'll have a better chance of winning there. And now he's got to win there, and it's going to be more likely that he gets the points, full points, back at the empty hat. So that that was good. But there's something else I wanted to say. Do you, do you think that was a penalty? That was a very soft penalty. Mm. Like, I mean, he did. I mean, he did impede Saka, but I don't even know. Like, what is he supposed to do? Like, you mean you mean in Katia? Was it in Katia? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Saka took the penalty. Yeah, oh, Saka. Sorry, yeah, in Katia. Yeah, he. I mean, he, he got so close, but like, I think a little bit of your momentum was. Um, was gonna, um, you know, result in that in that actual challenge. So, yeah, I'm I'm like fifty fifty on the ones like those. Yeah, because they both ran into each other. Yeah, and and I guess the other thing I want to bring up about that game about Pep being practical, like Man City, would you consider them a front foot team? Yeah. All right. Okay. So. What would you, what would you guess their average possession in a game is? 57, 60%. Right. You know what their possession in this game was that they won away on the road to Arsenal? Yeah, yeah, I know they were like very very low, yeah. Yeah. Very low. So it's yeah. like this is somebody yeah, who this is, wants to win the league. This is Pep Pep Mourinho, Pep Pep Conte. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who will dip into <laughs> Like I, I think he's learned some things from even watching Tim Hag. You know, yeah. like Tim Hag is is pretty practical. Like when like when it comes to like certain things. And then mm-hmm. Arsenal trying to win the game and not the league, 64%. Mm-hmm. You know how many passes City had? 303. That is way down. Like, yeah. you know, they were like, ah, we're gonna clear this ball out. You can have it. And then we'll press you. We'll press you. See if you can get the ball out your out of your hat. No? All right, we'll take that goal, and we'll take that goal, and we'll take that goal. Thank you. Arsenal. So so yeah. Uh do you want to talk about Yeah, I have a Chelsea? theory that I yeah. actually feel I mean, I, I don't know if that's it's actually boned down. I probably somebody out there is doing the data analysis behind individual games, but I have a feeling that low 
low possession games probably suit Haaland a lot more than the standard Pep Man City style because I feel by far Haaland's biggest strength is his pace and his ability to you know beat the last man yeah to break free and just go for it and if you are like you know if you are playing so much in triangles and circles like Mm-hmm. in tough games it becomes very easy for the opponent to pretty much you know crowd you out of central areas if you're playing without the ball you can actually you know suck people in and then create that space that Haaland can just absolutely go and attack so i think the second goal comes from something like that actually yeah i mean the second goal is another turnover Yeah. And I just remember I think De Bruyne going down wide, crossing it in yeah. and uh Haaland running towards it taking two touches, one left, one right, put it in mm-hmm. the corner. But Haaland was also I'm down on the second goal. In yeah, the, yeah. In the second goal. Second and goal. And he, he, he uh what did he cross it and then Gundogan skipped it and then Grealish put it Grealish, in and yeah. just for Grealish man, just like i just been watching him incrementally get more comfortable and better as a man city player and he scored against us united and he scored like a day ago against uh arsenal big game and mm. like you know like he's ahead of foden now like mm. if foden is going to get ahead of grealish then Foden must be really on some shit. <laughs> and which is going to be even better for Man City just overall. But yeah, like Grealish is like dribbling the ball at pace and you can't like you can't you you just can't. You you can't get the ball from him. And he's going to he knows how to draw contact. He's going to get a foul yeah. or make a pass or get past you. So he, he really loses it. He's got great control. Uh I want to talk about this game because you're here and it's Chelsea versus uh Borussia Dortmund. And what I and I watched this game too. Both games was it the same day as yesterday? Yeah. This was a crazy day yesterday because they had a Premier League game, yeah. and a Champions League game at the, same, the same time. So I watched too, 11:30 12:00. Mhm. And I watched the Arsenal game first because it started half an hour before mm-hmm. and I had to like cut out like any type of information from the Chelsea game. But, <laughs> but what I love so that's when that's when I disappear from the chat I'm just like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, <laughs> like today I didn't I didn't say shit in the chat. I'm like I'm not looking at the chat. Yeah. But uh what I did like about this game this was like a all-star game of the future of football. <laughs> yeah, like both Chelsea and Borussia Dortmund have all these young players who are going to become the future of football and some of them were on one side some of them on the other side so it's great to see the display of these young talents like mm. in a pretty like high stakes match like this and uh, and, and uh, so a lot of skill a lot of offensive skill from either team and uh, it was great to watch and, I, and I'll, I'll let you give me your analysis of like how it went down but Adeyemi put your he put I've never seen 
a guy. He's a how how old is Adeyemi? He, the Borussia Dortmund. Borussia. He's, he's young. 17? He's young. How young? He's 21. He's 21 now? He looks 17. Yeah, he looks 17. <laughs> I've never seen a guy. And how much does Enzo, how much did he cost? 105 pounds, uh, million pounds, 105 million pounds. I've never seen a 21-year-old just light 100 and five billion pounds <laughs> on fire in front of the world and run by it. Yeah. <laughs> in my uh, life. But go ahead. Uh, the, the thing is, like, in the lead up to the game, this is one of the things that I was reading about. Like, Ariami is, his pace mm-hmm. is, like, it's one, like, when you go, when you do our oppo analysis, Ariami's pace is one of the things that's going to be leaping out of the page to you. So, mm-hmm. it's not something that, you know, should have really caught the team by surprise. I'm sure they spoke about it. I'm sure they had plans for it. And the plans actually worked for most of the game when Borussia Dortmund had the ball. But this is just this crazy counterattack. And I don't even blame Enzo Fernandez much because he I was know, left in a one, one Yeah, but he because you know he was left in a one v one situation. And Adiami is probably one of the fastest players in the world. You're never gonna um your your options are to take the red card or to you know uh, let reality play out. The player, who, uh, the player. <laughs> After I saw reality played out, I was taking the red card. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe if it is like closer to the end of the game, you know, right? I would have said yeah. But the bigger thing there for me was. And we've, as as Chelsea, we've conceded a lot of these uh, counter games from free kicks or corners that we've taken. Don't forget, like we almost scored thrice in the la- in the two minutes leading up to that goal. Uh, you know, once right. was a crazy save by the keeper. One was a uh, one hit the post and one just missed the target. And we've had like in the last couple of seasons a lot of these corners of free kicks taken. And then the counter-attack, for some reason, we have like one man left behind. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Jaden Sancho, for you guys, scored against us, um, you know, I think last season uh, at Stamford Bridge, actually. The, the, no the game where Jorginho scored the penalty late the game to equalize. Uh, oh, sorry. I think Jorginho scored the penalty. Anyway. But the fact is, you've considered a lot of these games to United, to Arsenal, now to Borussia Dortmund. But then I looked at the setup again, like on on replay. We were actually set up fine. We right. had more, we had Enzo Fernandez back, and we had Mudrik. I thought it was one v one. No, actually, Mudrik was there on the half, uh, you know, on other side circle. Uh, he was a, supposed a, to be. He was the guy close to Adiyami. He was supposed to try zero pressure. Okay, zero pressure. If you actually go back and see the replay, Mordrick literally has his hands on his hips. No, I saw he's it. doing this and he's like looking in, like I, he's in no position to like do anything the moment the clearance happens. <laughs> and uh, Mordrick, by the way, is also supposed to be one of the fastest players in the world. Oh, yeah. So it was fine that the guy, we selected the right guy to be on Adiyami. He just didn't, he was sleeping and he had no intensity. In fact, a couple of seconds later, Thiago Silva outruns. Thiago Silva, who's gone up to take the corner, outruns Mudrik and is closer. To, he's the second man after Enzo Fernandez, much closer than where Mudrik was. So I think that goal was 
down to Murray. I don't want to be too harsh on the guy because you know he's just come in, but you know you got to wake up like uh, in the prim- in like in the in the big time. Like wingers are not there just to uh, contribute in the forward uh, phase. You have to track back, and especially in situations like this where you're given a role. But like what a one of the best goals I've seen this season by DME uh, to tap the ball. Make that run, that, dribble past, that, skip past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even the finish was so cool. Uh, past Kepa. So, so yeah. Um, we apart from that, I think we had a very slow start to the game. Dortmund pretty much dominated the first 20-30 minutes, but pretty much after that, I think all the clear chances pretty much fell to Chelsea. We had. You know, Joao Felix had a great game. He just can't finish. I don't know why nobody can finish at Chelsea. He got, he got high habits disease. And whatever disease habits got before, when he got there from whoever he got it from, Werner or yeah. who Werner got it from. It's like, y'all got finishing school disease, man. Or lack of finishing school. Havertz did it twice where he had the ball and he had open space in front of him. There was the one defender on the left almost parallel to him. like So, there's nobody ahead of him. And both times, he goes completely, instead of going towards goal, he goes, he once goes like towards the defender and the other time, he goes away, like he goes towards the byline. And, uh, yeah, I, I, this is the problem. Like, so I like Graham Potter. I've liked Graham Potter as a coach like before he came to Chelsea and I want to give him time. So, I... I'm fine with like him getting the season and maybe even next season when he has a full preseason mm. available to him. But you know, when you're in a relationship and <laughs> there are certain red flags that no matter how good the rest of the relationship is, you got to pay attention to that. Right. That's what I feel with what Potter is doing with the whole striker situation. So he did not register Aubameyang in the Champions League. He could not register <laughs> Fofana. <laughs> Could, could we stop at the Aubameyang? Aubameyang, you've you seen him play for Chelsea and it wasn't good. Like, but but it, but it's still miles better than what... Uh, as a striker, He's still a striker. At the end of the day, a striker doesn't forget being a striker. I, I'm not saying, you know, Aubameyang would lift us to a Champions League title or he's going to, you know, be Aubameyang of 2017, 2018. <laughs> But right now, we have probably, in the Premier League, we have probably a bottom relegation-level striker. Like, we've missed 15 of our last 17 big chances. That's just that's just absolutely nuts. No matter how good you are at it. That's not all on habits, though, right? Most of it is. Like, 70, 80% I'm, I'm sure of it's on. You should check, because I'm sure some of those were also Aubameyang. Like, I saw Aubameyang. No, no, no. Aubameyang hasn't like, played. I'm talking allowed. about the last six games. Aubameyang hasn't played. Okay. He hasn't even been in the squad. And I can understand that if there's some, you know, seen things happening behind the scenes. But Potter comes out in every press conference and says, no, absolutely no problems with Aubameyang. He's been an absolute professional. He's brilliant in training. So, like, are you, like, just plain out lying? or <laughs> what, what is going on? Like, wh- why can't you select? Because you can't select Fofana in the Champions League. You couldn't register him. Broja is injured. So you've literally gone into uh, the Champions League 
with a strike, one striker, just one striker. By the way, teams go with more, with, with more than one striker, right? She's gone with one striker, and that guy's not even a striker. So, uh, yeah, I and, and same thing is happening in the league. In the league, at least he has the option of using Dato for fun. He's refusing to use him. And he won't select Aubameyang in the squad. So, yeah, it's really frustrating to me because the problem now, we are at least creating the chances. If you'd spoken uh, about this like a month back or le- uh, like more than seven games before, I would have said there's no point having a striker because you're not creating anything. But now we are creating. We're creating actually a good number of chances every game. But we can't score because we don't have a natural goal scorer. So, what do you think of Mudrick so far besides being a terrible defender? <laughs> on, I think, uh, on, I think on, he's... On, on a... On a set plays yeah i think uh, even the last game i think the goal that we conceded his tracking back was a little partly at fault but i think as like his primary role he is doing he he's been okay like he hasn't done anything great like he hasn't scored or assisted for us yet but he uh, he is providing the pace he is stretching the play and he is making those um uh those passes uh, and linking up good with like people like Felix, Enzo Fernandez, Chilwell, um, who, who played the last game. He made a delicious ball. He gave a delicious ball to Kai Havertz in the last game. And then Havertz, obviously, being Havertz, was offside. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, that's I, why I didn't even try to pass the Havertz this game. He's like, <laughs> you're going to be offside. I'm not going to waste my yeah. beautiful passing on you. Yeah, I, th- I think so far, like, you know, without really being spectacular, I think he's been okay. Yeah, he kind of like didn't do much this game. And like you said, like if he'd have just tracked back and made the game saving tackle or applied some pressure so that like, you know, this is one of the fastest kids at Yemi in world soccer. And Enzo Fernandez is running backwards. You're dead. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to catch somebody with speed. They got you going running in the most unnatural position while they're running at their full thousand percent favorite yeah. direction and like you're dead and even though you don't think give Enzo credit is he he forced him to the outside which yeah. is still a strong side <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but at the yemi and then at the yemi gets around the goalkeeper and he's like nah which part of the net am i put this in ah, i'll pick right there <laughs> and it's like the whole time mudrick is like trailing behind watching oh that's what i should do with the ball when i get it like, <laughs> all right cool cool i noted 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 <laughs> but you know but it's a good thing he got to see what he should do with the ball so that next time when he plays he can do that shit with the ball if he'd have tackled and saved it he would know what to do in chelsea who needs goals won't get any goals in the future but now he knows so you yeah i mean uh Murdoch, i know he can do it because the last game he stopped the counter attack but being in the right position, uh, uh, you know, and using his pace. So it's not like he can't do it. He just needs to be switched on. Yeah, like he needs, he needs, he needs the 12 years a slave whip to his back after that. Uh, so yeah, let me just. Uh, yeah, fat chance having that from grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Potter, <laughs> there's a scene. You know, one thing that's happening in Chelsea fans is that people are getting really worked up upon 
grab caught and not going absolutely ballistic. Like nothing to do with the football. You know, the fact I, that he I, didn't I, I, lose his shit at the referee. Uh-huh. And there was last a fight game. last game. And there was a fight in the Dortmund game with uh, between the two benches and like a couple of players got involved too. And there's a picture of Grab Potter. He's like at least 10 yards away, standing, standing out there and just looking on. People are like, what? Did we get like a pastor for a coach? What's wrong with this guy? <laughs> I don't know if you checked out Graham Potter's attire lately, but that <laughs> nigga must have a stylist. Because yeah. he's looking like, like he's not wearing suits. Mm. But when you looking as good as somebody wearing a suit, <laughs> and you ain't wearing suits. You, I I can't see Graham Potter with all the players he has names he has to memorize, going shopping for himself. So that nigga got a stylist, yeah. and he's not trying to get into the middle of no fight and ruffle his <laughs> brand new clothes. So good luck with Chelsea. Yeah, he, fans he's going in for the. Yeah, he's going in for the Carlo Ancelotti vibe. Yeah, that motherfucker's trying to get like called up for Fashion Week, the way he's <laughs> dressing. But uh, I'm going to name like a bunch of young players from both teams. And you tell me who you thought was the most outstanding yesterday in that game. So uh, young players I'm going to mention from Dortmund is Brandt. You know I got to mention Jude and... And uh, Adenyemi. And then uh, I'm going to skip Havertz from <laughs> Chelsea. But you had Jao Felix, Mudrik, Fernandez for you, James. The, yeah, I think those are the youngest. Like, like what do you, do you think of, who do you think was the best young player yesterday? <laughs> I think Adiyami was the best player because he actually made the difference. Right, okay. Uh, and he, uh, he was probably the least famous of the young players yesterday before. Uh, he, he's yeah. not going to be least famous anymore. Right. Uh, and he also was a threat all game from what I could see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You could see this coming. Yeah. I think Bellingham in midfield was neutralized to a large extent. Like, for, But that was also because... I think Porter did a smart thing by because Bellingham's his physicality is a big part of what he is, right? He mm-hmm. pretty much uh, like the, the choice of having lost a streak there. I think really helped us because ex- uh, apart from the first fifteen twenty minutes, like they Enzo and uh, lost the streak, they locked on that midfield really well, so we didn't see a lot of threat coming. I mean, Bellingham's Bellingham; he's always going to be threatening on the ball, but I think they did a good job in like minimizing the damage from from Bellingham. Um, from our side, I think the best young player was, this is the bad, sad part. Like I think Joao Felix was our best player, but he was also our worst player in the sense because he is the guy who missed those golden chances. So it's like we can't ever have a complete performance by one guy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, he, he 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 acquitted himself good, but finishing was not. He was not clinical. He did a lot of pretty things without really being effective. Yeah, but for I, I, now, the way the team is, I'll take the pretty things as a starting first point. Yeah, he's got that special play of touch and yeah, look, yeah, yeah. but can he? 
you know, can he can he put the put those mm. that you know can he become a specialist of putting the ball in the back of the net? I also yeah. liked uh, uh, I did like Bellingham. I know at first it felt like Enzo was shadowing him and on him, but then I felt like he got used to that and figured out a way to get touches on the ball and help move the ball around the pitch. So so then you know besides adding Yemi, I thought he did good yesterday. Enzo was good except. When he got caught running backwards by Adeyemi, that was embarrassing. Like, yeah, he got he, he got dunked on. He got posterized. He got filleted at the stake mm. by by that kid. But I would still say in end, all of Enzo's games, he he was good. Uh, Ziak, he's not a young player, but what a frustrating guy to have on your team, bro. Yeah, Ziak is like it. Sometimes makes me laugh because a lot of times he gets the ball. I know exactly what he's gonna do. Yeah, that, and I that, think that, everybody knows go it. Go forward, stop, and then make this awkward cross field cross <laughs> that ninety percent of the time gets to nobody. Yeah, but uh, the the weird thing about Ziyech is like, even though he does that, mm-hmm. it at least once or twice a game, it will actually make a difference. Yeah. And it did. This but game, yeah, even this game make a difference, right? but he, but it, yeah. Who like, likes like the, like like the him or Anthony from from Man United? Who used to play on the same team for him, yeah, like yeah, as yeah. him, Ajax. Like, like wh- why can't Ajax right wingers go straight and right? Why is this cutback thing? Yeah, and um, but but we are not a team where we can take advantages of low volume. So you have to do that thing right a lot of times for us to even mm-hmm. like have. Uh, you know, have any joy out of it. So, yeah, I want to see a lot more of Madueke. I think Ziyech, ever since he's been played as a winger, has been decent. Mm-hmm. But I feel we can do a lot more. So, if Madueke is the answer, then so be it. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm not totally disappointed with Ziyech. It's just that it's frustrating because I'm sure opponents are also figuring him out and, you know, it's very easy to, like, Cut, uh, you know, uh, minimize any damage from it. Yeah. All right. I'm going to skip from this game. And do you want to talk about PSG versus Bayern Munich? And, uh, did you see? Did you did you see it? And then Leeds I saw most of it. I saw. Well. Yeah. I I don't I don't know the exact amount I saw, but I saw a fair bit of. It. Well Lee, well, Lee came to rescue you right on time. Let's see if Lee <laughs> saw that game. Lee, uh, everybody, Lee just joined us. Stand-up <laughs> comic from England, Southampton. Uh, uh, fan with no coach. Uh, Jesse Marsh <laughs> said no, and Southampton said no. We, d- we don't know who said no first to who, but <laughs> they both said no. So, <laughs> what's up, fam? How is... Uh, did you get to see the PSG Munich game? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. So, could you could you give us your assessment of said um, game? Bayern was surprisingly dominant for the first, uh, I would say, hour or so. Mm-hmm. Um, like surprisingly so. Like I thought they would maybe. I thought PSG. Like I said, I, I think I predicted on the pod earlier in the week. I thought PSG might have the edge, um, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean. Pfft, 
yeah, I mean, Bayern, they made it count. Kingsley Coman scored the goal. He didn't celebrate. Um, mm-hmm. He tried to keep it neutral. He's obviously ex, uh, ex Paris. Um, but yeah, uh, like Mbappe didn't start. He came off the bench. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, and, and that gave PSG some impetus. Like, you could see he wasn't fully 100% when he came on, but he was still trying to do everything. And he obviously had mm-hmm. like gold disallowed. Um, or two goals disallowed actually I think it was um, and, and yeah PSG were trying their hardest to get back in the game but they just couldn't find it like Messi had a really good chance from a cutback um, oh, that came yeah. to on the edge of the box and there, there was an amazing block in front of the ball because I think it would have almost certainly been uh, been a goal and uh, yeah Nuno Mendes the left back for PSG was a really good outlet oh. for them Ooh. down the left side he was getting into the box getting the crosses in um, I was like, do they have two Mbappes on the same side of the pitch? <laughs> like every time he's he burned by somebody and left them in flames, I was like, that Mbappe, but nah, Mendes, man. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, and Jan Sommer, obviously Bayern's buying the um in the transfer window to to cover for Neuer. He made a good save, I think, with his face from a 1v1 with Mbappe um mm-hmm. as well. So yeah, PSG put the pressure on. And you know, if they have you know, Messi and Mbappe and Neymar fit for the second leg. They've got a chance because there's firepower in those guys. Like they, I think if they had Mbappe from the start of this game, if he was 100% fully fit, it might have been a different story. Um, but credit to Bayern, you know, they turned up with a game plan. They dominated when they had to. They got their goal. Um, Chupa Moting had a good uh, attempt as well. So, um, yeah, all in all, it was, it was an interesting game. Like it, it's always fun just to watch like two really high-class teams go at each other. Mm. Um, and that's what this game was. You know, it's a shame it didn't have more goals, but it was a very high-quality game of football. Um, you know, you could sense that. And uh, Pavard got sent off as well towards the end for a, a bit of an ugly challenge on Messi. When Messi was bursting into the box, he, he sort of mm. caught him just outside the box. Mm. Kind of smart in a way because Messi was about to drive into the box and who knows, he could have got, you know, it's Messi, he can do something with that. Um right. But I, I don't know if Bayern will miss him for the, the next game. I don't know who the replacement will be. Um, so they'll be without him for the um, for the second leg. Um, but yeah, I think Bayern just about deserved the win for the dominance that they had um, for the first part of the game. So yeah, it was, it was a good game. Yeah, it was shocking the first half to see like PSG just fall back in the absorbed pressure from Bayern mm. in Paris. Like, PSG acted like they went to see their dominatrix and played like they were in a dominatrix, their, their dominatrix basement for like most of the first half. Like the funny thing about the second half is before Mbappe came on, they changed the narrative of the first half and were on the attack. So just knowing that Mbappe was going to come on at some point made yeah. PSG more aggressive before he actually came on. Like that's how much influence this dude has. And then, uh, yeah, like he, he, uh, you know, they, they just came out in the second half with just way more impetus knowing that their change was going to be made. But, you know, you know, like you said, it went the way it went and, uh, PSG overall just seems so weak. And I know it's football and anything could change in a game, but they just look so weak for a team that has Neymar. Messi and Mbappe and I was listening to Jules I forgot his name he's a journalist he does ESPN on a lot of shows he's, oh Jules he's Lawrence that, yeah Jules Lawrence he's like 
the, it, this team can't work with the three up front. You could play two of the three, but not mm. all three. And I don't think he's wrong, man. Like to, to for them to win, like like Messi's not going to defend. Like all three of them are not going to defend. There's always a moment, just like we were just talking about the Chelsea versus Dortmund game, when you need an attacking player to make a defensive play. And if you're young, and you and you and you, and you have to like if you're at the peak of your skills physically, and you, you, and you you haven't won anything yet, you might do that. Like, but these guys, you know, Messi and Neymar ain't gonna do that shit. And Bappe yeah. might. Me- so Messi could when he was like young at the, in the Barca days, like mm-hmm. he could press the whole Barca game was built off of the counter press and getting right. the ball back so they can get at teams. But he just like the, the willingness might still be there in his brain, but the legs can't, the legs can't really do it anymore. Yeah. The legs are like, nah, Messi, we, we, <laughs> we won you a world cup. We ain't, this is just, this is just some team in Paris. We taking a vacation and we're not, <laughs> no, nah, we're not, this is not our country. Fuck this team. <laughs> Uh, I guess is it any any thoughts on uh, Scott Parker versus Benfica? Oof, uh, I mean, Benfica won two nothing. <laughs> yeah, it should have been more. Benfica humped them. Uh, <laughs> that was it was bad for for Scott Parker and Club Bruges. I mean, two 0 was a good result for them, but they could they got. Um, opened up over and over and over again by Benfica. Um, Benfica really mm. could have um, buried them in this game. And considering it was, uh, you know, it home to Club Benfica only had 14 shots to four. They were all big chances though as well. <laughs> like big no, no, chances. No, I mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. Bruges only had one on target. Yeah. Scott Parker's lucky he didn't get the scoreline which got him sacked at Bournemouth against Liverpool. <laughs> It could have been that. And uh, yeah, there's no chance unless they, you know, can pull off a miracle tactically. There's no chance they're getting through having to go to Benfica for the next leg of this game. I mean, stranger things have happened, but I mean, based on that performance, I can't, I can't see it. (laughs) Yeah. And that Benfica team was stacked. And is that where Enzo Fernandez came from? Yeah. Yeah. So damn that it would have might've been four nothing if he was still there because that's a lot of the members of the, uh, the Portugal national team that aren't playing for Wolves. The other half of the Portugal national team is on Benfica. You know, like yeah, they, they got the uh, Ramos kid there. Yeah, like I, like I saw him. I was like, oh shit, yeah. So, but you know what? The guy who edited the highlights for this game must be a Bruges fan because they did not look <laughs> bad in the highlights. The game looked even. So they, oh, they did. They yeah. did. They look bad in the ones I watched. <laughs> yeah, you got to send me the one you watched. I'll say the one I watched. I was like, oh, Scott Parker, even game. But you told me they were getting crushed. But yeah, yeah that, that that the highlight editor must be a fan of, must be Belgium and shit. <laughs> so we covered Arsenal versus Man City. We covered Chelsea versus. Uh, Borussia Dortmund, and we just talked about PSG versus uh, uh, my members at Bayern Munich. And mm-hmm. uh, let's just go to uh, one, one of the biggest uh, Europa League games in Europa League history. You know, 
because of the, the teams involved. Uh, it's basically a Champions League game, like a, a, a fallen angel Champions League game. Like Europa <laughs> League must have been like happy to have this. Like, but it's a great idea that we came up with this dumb system to make the last team, the team that could have qualified and should have went through to the other stage, like them fight it off in some type of weird playoff to, before we start the next round of the Europa League so that we can make more money. But uh, yeah, what a, what, a, what, a, what a match. And uh, I was, I couldn't watch it when it started. You know, I uh, got threatened by Moa because <laughs> <laughs> he's a Barcelona fan. And I had to tell him, hey, I'm not going to be able to watch the match. And uh, so don't, you know, if you, you know, don't, I don't want to hear anything because I know if Barca went up like a goal, he's going to start texting. Uh, and I don't want to like see the score. So he respected that. And, but I, I'm sure if they'd have scored first, or I had the lead at any point, he would have texted mm -hmm. me. Like I saw the game and, it, you know, and I saw it right before the podcast started. That's why it was late. Like I got back and uh, like, Barcelona did not lead at any point, and both teams got two freakish goals. But and both teams created chances, and it was an open game. I feel like Man United created the better chances. Uh, I'm not sure that playing Gavi as a left winger is the best thing for Xavi to do but maybe it's because of like a personnel shortage. I know that Barcelona has gotten better in the league because they got all of their defenders back. Like when they were stumbling early in the season, they didn't have all their defenders. I got to check to see like, but once like Arahu didn't make the world cup because he was injured. And uh, yes. yeah, I, but, and that would have been a big difference with him and Valverde playing for Uruguay in the world cup. That would have been a big thing. But let me just see, let me just go to the Europa League, what the Barcelona's defender situation was like. Because they, they, they have a pretty lit D. I think Alba like, was when, on the left because it was him doubling up with Gavi, wasn't it, out on the, on the left I don't side? Think he, I'm trying to think if he played out. I, I just saw the game and I don't remember seeing him. Where is this lineup? It's not popping up. I'm getting stats, but I'm not getting. Yeah, Barca were ahead see. as well because it was the it was the Alonso Jordi header. Alba, yeah, yeah. The Alonso header put them one new up. Then you guys yeah, turned it ball. around. Yeah, the ball. No, no, no. We went up first. No, they went up first. You're right. They went, they up, went first. up first. It was back to back. Yeah, yeah, then Rashford scored from the angle. Hmm. By the time Moa was texting me to tweet, you're down. Rashford evened it up and then I guess he had to erase that text. <laughs> so I guess that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and Rashford. Yeah. Leave that one in drafts. <laughs> yeah. And then we went ahead on that freakish goal. And then later on, probably like in a 70 something minute, they Rafinha put in one of those uh Ziak crosses. That me and you were just talking about mm -hmm. that, you know, that Lewandowski didn't skip on purpose, couldn't get to it, but it just created that shadow that blocked the ball out from the gear and 
another freakish goal winner then two two. But overall, man, a, a pretty good game. I'm glad. I thought we were gonna lose. I told that to Moa in the chat. You know, going up. You know, before and, and but for us to tie up there gives us a really good chance to knock them out when they yeah. come to play us. I hope. Uh, I like uh, Dembele, but I hope he's cured from his injury right after that rematch and has a great season after that. Uh, but Do away yeah, goals but, count in, in the Europa League still? No, nah, I think they, they dead it all that everywhere. Yeah. So it's just like, you just got to win. Because uh, that would be I, useful I like, scoring two goals at their place. Yeah, that would have been dope useful. And I'm kind of confused by the way we were lined up. But I think Fred, I got to give him props, had a good game. Mm. Uh, and he's, he's getting better, but he's still the guy that will impress you one game. And then you're like, all right, we can rely on him. And then he'll prove you can't. But then I think he's had two decent games in a row. I think he won the play at a match the game before this. He had a great assist for Rashford today. So I don't want that to get lost. That was like a world-class mm. pass. And this is when... This is, let me tell you who Fred is, bro. Like, I figured it out. He <laughs> wants to be a hero. Fred mm-hmm. wants to be a hero. Like, there was this tackle he made, I think, on Gavi, like, outside the penalty box. And it's like, you wanted to make a hero tackle when all you had to do was stand in front of him and prevent him from, even if he turns, from making a through pass. And that's all you had to do. And you went to the ground. Because you want to make a hero tackle. But when Fred gets the hero shit out of his mind and just does this tackling at a mm. just a normal rate and just makes one touch passes, this is a player. So I hope we can get that guy out of Fred. Get the hero out of Fred. <laughs> like I think he's been abused by Manchester United fans so much he wants to prove to them that no, I can do hero shit. And when you try to do hero shit, it's not good for the team. Basically, he wants high. to look Brazilian. Yes. <laughs> Hero <laughs> shit. Yes, he wants to look Brazilian. Stop trying to look Brazilian, bro. Be Scott Parker when he was a player. And United <laughs> would love you. Be Carrick. Carrick was boring, but at some point, everybody's like, mm. Fred, like, history will tell us who you are. Yeah. Mm. You know no, what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, I remember like Mikel when he came to Chelsea, he was like known as this attacking number 10 style of midfielder. But Mourinho gave him one task to essentially, you know, become a deep, deeper defensive midfielder. And he took on that role and he absolutely nailed it for almost an entire decade. So, Did you guys respect him? I thought you guys didn't respect him. I thought he was a good player. And I was like, I no, never heard Mikhail, Chelsea Mikhail, fans bragging the thing about is, him. The thing is, Mikel, he was overshadowed. Yeah, he's, you're right. Like, he's one of those guys who's a little, he never got as much praise as he should have. But he, he's like one of those cult heroes. And people like who followed a lot of Chelsea, they appreciate like what he's, okay. what he's done. He never let, Le- never let the team down. Probably our best player in the whole Champions League uh, sure. um, uh, run in 2012. 
he play, I think he played every minute of every game. So, yeah, he, but, but what I'm saying, like with somebody like Fred, he, I don't know what age he is. I don't know if it's too late for him to change the way he plays. But there are people, people who have like reinvented themselves in these roles and gone on to have great successful careers. Is 29 too late? <laughs> yeah, 29 is too late. Because <laughs> you just know that the match is not going to have, uh, have a faith in it. Is 29 too late for him to become Clarence Sadoff? Yeah. Because <laughs> I think that's who he's trying to become. <laughs> he can be a good squad player, I guess. Yeah, he could be a good squad player, but when you come on, just one touch the ball and then make the tackles you can make and have some mm-hmm. discipline defensively. Don't always like, you know, you know, just be out of contact with your, is it the six? Who's staying behind? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. Keep contact with the six sometimes, and that the 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 back four. But uh, Luke Shaw played center half, left sided, and somebody was saying today, you know, it's an indictment on Maguire and Lindelof. But once Lindelof is on the bench, and and Lindelof has actually been good next to Varane, and or next to Martinez. It, it, it's it's not an indictment on Maguire either. It's just Ten Hag prefers a left-footed, left-sided center back. And Shaw has proven that he could do it. So, you know, he was, you know, so he, he's in the game. But He's got the physique to play at the back as well, hasn't he? He's not, he's actually built more like a center back than a left back, really. Think so. Yeah, he's quite like broad-shouldered and like stocky. He's six foot tall as well, so he's well, he's built more like a a centre back at times. He's the shortest six footer I know. Like <laughs> I believe you that he's six foot, but he doesn't look at like it. To I think me. it's because he's like he's quite like squat physically as well. Like he's like stocky, like he's wide. Right. He's not like sort of like lean tall. <laughs> right. I'm looking at some of the stats from this game. I did not see the 61% possession that Barcelona had in this game, but all right, fine. If they say so. If they say like so. Like you say, you, yeah. you had you had enough good chances to suggest that you had a game plan and that probably involved having slightly less of the ball mm-hmm. um, and, and playing on the counter and utilizing that. I, I found it strange. You, you guys played Veghorst as like a 10. You played him like the Harry Kane of your team with Rashford. Like mm-hmm. roving ahead of him, moving into the wide areas, going central, mm-hmm. um, almost having like a bit of a like a freedom roll across the front line, um, which seemed to cause Barca problems as well because he was popping up in different areas, like getting in behind and stuff. So that was an interesting uh, tactical tweak from Ten Hag, which they probably didn't see coming as well. Right, and we had Bruno on the right, and we had Rashford mm-hmm. as the nine, and uh, and uh, Sancho. On yeah. the on uh, no, yeah, Sancho on the left, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, man, he did. Ten Hag did that in the s- second half of the last game we played. Versus who did we play last? Leeds. Leeds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When they uh they took off, they put in two subs. One was Garnacho. 
And who is the other person? And we thought that, you know, they're just going to put Garnacho left. But yeah, he took off Sancho, put Bruno right, dropped uh, Weghorst behind uh, Rashford, and and we got the goals for the game from there. So we tried it like on the weekend and it kind of worked. So yeah. But yeah, that that's that's basically who's the next person to turn down the Southampton coaching job? Like who who's <laughs> who's next to be like no and to be no to? Uh, I mean, I turned it down today as well. So, <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I honestly think we're better off with no manager than Nathan Jones right now. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, the um, the, the the Spanish coach we have, who yeah, he seems promising in the interim. Yeah, he's he's a switched on guy. Like the players apparently really like him. I think I said that on the last mm-hmm. one. And he's he's one of these dudes. Like he's been coaching since he was like in his twenties. He's thirty nine mm-hmm. years old. He's coached in like some crazy countries in like Azerbaijan and places. He was the oh, assistant so. coach. He was the assistant coach at FC Copenhagen in Denmark last season. Mm-hmm. And they won the Danish title. So he's got like a good experience. Apparently he speaks four languages as well. So he's quite good with like... Who, who brought in, him in? Uh, Sport Republic, the owners, with Hassan Huttel's mm. blessing. They gave Hassan Huttel like a, okay. a list of coaches because they, they got rid of some old coaches uh, last year that Hassan Huttel inherited when he took okay. over. That stayed for a few years. And they said, here's some guys we would like to bring in. Do you like any of their you know resumes? And mm-hmm. he picked his. Um, so he came in in the summer but when you're an assistant coach, I know this from experience when I've worked in those roles, you're kind of there to implement the manager's game plan. You're there to, you're there to challenge them and, and, and give your opinion, but ultimately it's the manager who has the say. So I don't know how much of the Jones and Hassan Huttle results were, were down to Sellers' work um, or if he is going to come out with something different um this week he's only he, he's got a hundred percent record with us he's, he had one game in charge between Hassan Hutton and Jones um we beat Sheffield Wednesday um in the cup um Carabao Cup I think it was so this is his uh his his next chance uh, against Chelsea we'll see what he's been working on this week oh um, shit let's talk about it look, that <laughs> it looks like he's got you know he's got the whole week to work with the players now because there's not going to be an appointment made so um yeah I mean it's a great chance for him to advertise himself for the job. If we can go and, you know, even get a draw at Stamford bridge would be a, a great result. So, um, we'll see. Well, let me ask you a question, Lee. Do you think your interim coach will even be coaching against Graham Potter this weekend <laughs> after Graham Potter, whose strength so far for Chelsea has been champions league lost his first game in champions league. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure Potter will still be there. He's, um, it looks like they're going to give him time and the team are actually playing okay. They're just not finishing chances. So if they could not finish their chances this weekend, that'd be great. Because um, I mean, some, some, pretty, some, some pretty average teams have managed to take points off Chelsea this season. So I'm hoping we can add ourselves to that list of, uh, of mediocre teams to, uh, to upset them. Well, you've beat top teams before. Like you beat Man City. Like it was in a cup. But you beat them, and I, I think you've given them trouble before. And beat we beat them Chelsea before. in the home game this season. So, 
Oh, okay. I mean, it was under under Tuchel, um, who you know is apparently better than Potter. So, if we can beat Tuchel, surely we can beat Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Potter did win four out of four Champions League games, though, in the group stage. Mm. So, <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, and and uh, what's his name would have won five if he did one today. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> five in a row. First Chelsea manager, but didn't happen. If he'd have won yesterday, I mean. What do you think your chances of beating Southampton this weekend, man? What you got? I think our chances of playing a good game are pretty high. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, like it's... I, I think we're, we're reaching a stage where it's not the quality of the opposition, right? That, that, we are, that we are unable to score against. It's not like we are coming up against the best defenses in Europe and not being able to score. So it really doesn't matter. Um, what level Southampton currently is, which is not a great level, but um, <laughs> but Shots, <laughs> but Shots? I can't argue. But, I can't argue it. Yeah, but like that's what I'm saying. Like we, our level is to not even be able to score against them. Like so, our <laughs> attack is essentially maybe not all aspects of our attack, but our finishing is probably on par with Southampton's defense. <laughs> so it's well, an equal fight. <laughs> well, Southampton won't even need defense if your finishing or lack of it keeps up. Well, if, if if you see Jan Bednarek on the team sheet, he'll score the goals for you. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, you probably like, have to <laughs> depend on a few so, of the goals. I, I I will worry if I see his name on the team sheet. I'm hoping it's not there. I'm hoping uh, Ruben Sellers has enough. Uh, experience of watching him to go nah I'm not going to pick him like Nathan Jones did so but yeah if, he, if he's on the team sheet you can guarantee he'll put one in the net for you yeah and Bednarak is going to be Chelsea's leading scorer this game uh, <laughs> let me ask you a question uh, Neil hmm. if Potter loses this game against Southampton a wounded team no coach rudderless in London do you think yeah. the patience is over for Paul? I see the thing is like it's it's so tough to know because these are new owners. You don't <laughs> what you would don't you have do? a lot of I'm kind of sick of the the revolving door of managers at Chelsea. So and I always believe that you should give a manager at least till the end of the season, which is why. I mean, I was against Tuchel sacking. I was against Lampard sacking. So I I wanted Tari to stay on. He he left himself. So that was not a sacking. But uh, but as I said, like if Porter keeps doing this thing with striker, like he's almost like he has a death wish. So I don't know. I've definitely seen in the last six games our our performances improve. A lot of the things that we are not doing right before that, we've improved a lot uh, in those aspects. Defensively, we are the third best team in the league. So he's at least locked down. Yeah, yeah. Goals per right. game conceded. Yeah, we are third in the league sure. uh, ahead of Man City. And almost the, close uh, with the position Arsenal. you are in the table. Yeah, I know. That just shows like how bad we've been going forward. We are yeah. on track on a goals per game um basis to be the sixth lowest scoring Chelsea team in first division history. Like this is still since 1907. Oh, you, you know about Chelsea women? 
or the men? The men. Okay. In the history, like we we are on track to be like if we continue scoring at this rate, this season gonna, Chelsea or Mourinho Chelsea when you're. Which, I'm which, talking about goals uh, scored right now. Yeah. Goals scored. We are on track to be the sixth lowest oh, Chelsea lowest, team okay. of entire first division. That's like the old first division plus Premier League since 1907. Uh, I bet. I thought you were still bragging about your defense because that, that oh, that's yeah, the yeah, defensive yeah. thing is the thing that sounds impressive. So it doesn't even yeah, fit yeah, yeah. where so, y'all are in the table. So that's true. Like we've been, we are historically bad as an attacking team this season, and we are on a league basis doing pretty well this season on defensive basis. So, um, so yeah. I mean, let's see how it goes. Uh, I would be really excited to see if we have a difference uh, change in the striker position. I think the four to three one is doing good other than that. Let me ask you one question. So you're Chelsea coach. You're going to work out the team for the rest of the week. What's the one thing you're working on this week? I'm making sure every drill that's happening on a first team basis does not have habits in it. It has either Fofana or Aubameyang. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the other pieces are, are doing the job. You know, I, I think we can still get more fluid. Of course, we are not completely there in terms of fluidity. But uh, maybe Zachariah coming in for Loftus-Cheek. But even though I've, I've been, I think Loftus-Cheek has done his job well in the last two games, but he's still only a makeshift DM. Zachariah is the specialist. And if he's fit, finally, he should be the guy playing alongside Enzo Fernandez. Um, Badiashili comes in because in the league, he can he qualifies to play. Uh, the rest, I think, is is fine. Just you know, play an actual somebody who knows the back of the net. I thought, but I was looking for you to say our finishing. The F word, the big F word, is like our finishing. Not even blame it on Kai Havertz. Like I'd have Kai Havertz right now taking shots. But in like, the history with, of me watching like, in Chelsea, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't follow every team that closely. But in the history of me watching Chelsea, I've never seen a bad finisher become a good finisher. So I yeah, don't but, know. But he doesn't have to become a good finisher. He just needs to finish like one or two times against Southampton. Like, like <laughs> listen, you guys got to win this game. Like, yeah. Chelsea, Southampton don't got no coach, so the coach can't get fired. But you got a coach that can get fired if he doesn't win this game. Because the fans, you're cool. You're like, I don't like this revolving door, but there's a lot of motherfuckers yeah. who love those yeah, the fans are being for blood. The fans are being yes. for blood. And, um, but, but the problem is like, well, I don't know if it's a problem, but the thing is like the hierarchy, the owners are briefing all these journalists constantly saying that uh, uh, it doesn't matter. We are prepared. We are convinced about Grant Potter. He's our coach for the future. Rich and, people lie. how many times have you heard that and then I've seen people say while they're firing the guy they're saying they're not going to fire they already fired a guy I think what's happening right now this is my theory Uh they made a stupid mistake with firing Tuchel they know it we know it everybody knows it and 
now they're doubling down because they because right. firing Potter right now makes that decision look even more spectacularly stupid. So and they right. spend another three hundred million. So I think there's a certain sense of doubling down, but yeah, it's it's a lot of moving pieces. It was kind of a high like stress environment when they fired him, wasn't it? As well because like you've just gone through a really weird window where Todd Bowley was doing all of the sporting director work and everyone seemed stressed like Tuchel seemed stressed because he had to get involved when he didn't want to get involved and I think yeah they could have just gave that time and let it all calm down and get the appointments made um, in those positions Um, and then I think everyone's stress levels would have come back down again it would have been you know a bit of short-term pain to get there but um, all I'm saying though is if I see Kai Havertz name on the team (laughs) sheet for Saturday you're getting a betting slip down (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put money on him to score because if he's gonna score against anyone, it'll be us. I guarantee. You're probably gonna make some bang because the odds are gonna be long on that one. I don't know. I don't know if the bookies will let me. Neil feels. I don't know if the bookies will let me put a bet on the record of Chelsea's offense. That's how. That's what I was about to say. I don't. I don't know if they'll let me put a bet on where I can say Bednarek own goal or, um, or Havertz. One of the two. If they'll give me like a split bet that one of these players will score for Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel bad for the guy because he does a lot of good work within games. Like he still creates chances. He links up well. He's very hardworking, one of the most hardworking forward players I've seen. Mm. But he just doesn't have some of the basics to be playing as a number nine, <laughs> which then kind of makes me feel like we as a club are destroying his career because for almost two and a half seasons now he's been forced to play that play that role and it's just not working out uh, I'm just having a look to see what the odds are for uh, Havertz to score <laughs> Havertz to score to score first is five to one so if I put one pound on I get five back he's 15 to eight to score any time which isn't bad odds you put yeah, these bookies down, haven't how much would you get a, back on that game. Um, if I put one pound on that, that would return two pound eighty seven. Yeah, um, but I'd put more than that. I'd, I'd probably throw, I'd probably throw ten pounds on there. Get twenty eight pound seventy five back. Um, not encouraging gambling on this show, obviously. Um, unless anyone wants to sponsor us, I, guess. I mean, I mean, you're, um, I mean, you're, you're not not encouraging it. <laughs> <laughs> Gamble you're at definitely your own not. Not encouraging responsible gambling. If you're asking people to bet on Havertz to score, yeah. <laughs> these are the yeah, weird actually, bets that they have for Super Bowls, like the bets that you're reading. I'm actually a plant from the bookies, trying to encourage people <laughs> to to give them money. The bookies are plants <laughs> for bookies because the odds that they give are completely in their favor. You know, uh, there's some interesting games this weekend. Tottenham West Ham. Sunday, eight thirty. Mm. That's probably like, besides the Newcastle Liverpool, that's probably the biggest. There's a lot of big games. Leeds Everton because of like the relegation implication, and then Aston Villa versus Arsenal because Arsenal hasn't won a Premier League game in like three or four games and. Now they're behind Man City and they have a game in hand and this could be the game in, their game in hand. 
I know their game in hand is a specific game, but any game they play until they play the game in hand is their game in hand. So they have a chance to like go back to the top of the league. Oh, there's a video you guys have to watch. I don't know if you watch Vibe at Five. That's the podcast with real Stephen Housen and Joe Bayer. Joe Bayer, if I'm saying his name right, is it's uh, Aston. It's an Arsenal fan. Arsenal fan, yeah. And he went to the game yesterday. And I swear, at so then they zoom in. And because he talks the ultimate shit on 5 and 5, especially when Man United lose or drop points and Arsenal's just been winning. So his, his shit has just been up here. Like, <laughs> yo, he was crying. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, he was crying by the end of the podcast yesterday. <laughs> like to the point like they felt bad for him. That, like that's how I mean they they kind of stopped bantering him. <laughs> because why? He's still top of the league. Like he's not. The second. <laughs> second. I mean, yeah, but you know. But they got a game, but, they got a game in hand. They got a game in hand. They got a, they got a game in hand. But oh, the one thing I was gonna say. To when Neil was on, we was talking about Villa, like uh, we was talking about Arsenal versus Man City. This is Arsenal's hope. In the post-game interview with Arteta, the guy was like, "How are you gonna?" He kind of asking him, like, "How down are the guys, and how are you gonna pick them up?" And Arteta was completely optimistic, like he felt like they brought the game to Man City. And that this was a very encouraging sign. So then he, he, you know, and he should have had this encouraging sign from like a year and a half ago. I think the last few times they played Man City, they kind of brought the game to him. But it's just like Man City's just been too street smart. So like the bravery is there, the technique is there, and to, the, you, they can over outpass them. They can create chances. So he's the the saving grace for the loss yesterday is that Arteta believes in this team. And, and that's what you need. The guy to like, you know, make them not feel like this loss is that bad and not put that pressure on them. Like you need that Ancelotti type vibe in a situation like this. Like when Ancelotti is down in critical moments in game and the time is running out, he's not panicking. And even in the Super Bowl this weekend, like uh, Patrick Mahomes was mic'd, the quarterback for KC, and they played it. They ran the tape from when he like had a rolled ankle, and to when he's on the bench in pain and agony, to when he came back out in the second half, and then and when they were down and behind, and he's like, "Let's get it! This is the time of our lives!" And just that energy, like brought the play all the way downfield and they won. So Arteta is in that frame of mind. So Arsenal fans, Joe Breyer, stop crying. You got a chance. You just own the uh-huh. fact that you are one of the best teams in the league. Don't be so mm-hmm. rattled so quickly. Yeah, because if you're the best team in the league, mm-hmm. then you sh- you wouldn't be rattled. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lee, tell me what you think about the Tottenham West Ham, and then Neil, you tell me what you think about Liverpool, Newcastle. 
then we can be. Um, I mean, I hate that I'm going to be rooting for Tottenham in this game. Uh, that doesn't sit well with me at all. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I think Southampton are down, but I, I'm still going to retain hope if the teams who are also right. down there can lose some games as well. And, um, you know, West Ham have picked up some points, but they're still technically in that battle. Um, mm-hmm. Let me just have a look where they are. They're 16th. They're only five points away from us. That's not an amount that is impossible to make up. You know, mm-hmm. if for some reason Spurs beat West Ham and we beat Chelsea, that gap's two points. So it's not a crazy gap. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to be rooting for Tottenham, which, yeah, like I say, it makes me feel really uneasy. It makes me feel a little bit ill um, <laughs> that I'm going to be cheering for Tottenham in this game. Um, You'll feel ill a... if, they, if West Ham wins. So <laughs> take this ill. I'm part of a, a score prediction league where you have to predict the exact score for each game. Uh, and for this one, I've predicted Spurs 1-0 because I don't think Spurs are like flying right now form-wise, but also I think like West Ham aren't that potent as well. And I think Spurs will pinch it by one goal. So what's so the situation with Antonio Conte's health right now? I know. He, had an op- he had an operation and missed... Uh, what game did he miss? He missed the game they won against... Did, was it, no, it wasn't Man City, was it? He, he missed a game because he was having an operation on something. And it then, it, it might have been City. Yeah. I think it mm. was City. But but didn't he like... Didn't, wasn't there an update? Uh, I thought uh, Martin put up something. Yeah, I think he came back after the operation for the, the sporting... They, not sporting. Um, for mm. for um, the Leicester game and another game. And then he... Yeah, then he's... Uh, he sort of relapsed or something and needs to have oh, some more, Spurs uh, some, some more treatment. Again. Spurs <laughs> playing got him sick. Then he went to the hospital. Day one, he got better. Then he came back out. He saw them play again <laughs> and he's sick again. So he relapsed. It'll do, it'll do that to you. Spurs like mold. <laughs> you be around it, it'll activate or whatever is making you ill. What do you think about Newcastle, Liverpool, Neil? I mean, I want Newcastle to drop points and I want Liverpool to drop points. So. <laughs> but, but, you know, all season I've been thinking that Liverpool's going to have this one game where they um, turn things around because I think there have been a lot of games where they, they, where they what? They're going to turn it around and, you know, make that charge back up because both Liverpool and Chelsea are down um, at the bottom, at the ta- down the part of the table they shouldn't be. But, I feel Liverpool have performed better than Chelsea and are better equipped to create that turnaround than Chelsea. So uh, they won, uh, you know, pretty tough Merseyside derby uh, last game. So maybe that you know that can be a catalyst to a lot of things. It's probably a good time to play Newcastle. They haven't been; they've been pretty poor. Uh, you know, they're. They haven't been, you know, they've been dropping a lot of points essentially in the last five or six games. So uh, it's not the Newcastle from a couple of months back. And, you know, Newcastle only has one loss in 21 games. Yeah, but they've dropped a lot of points. Like the wins aren't really coming. 11 draws, yeah. Yeah, especially if you see the last, if you see the last five or six games. Uh, there's been a lot of draws in those. Yeah, they have 
one win in five. One win in five. All right. Yeah. So probably a decent cool. time for Liverpool. I mean, to be fair, like Liverpool for this last win also had had an even worse uh, run where they were just losing. But you know, if things are falling in place, Van Dijk is back. Um, you know, some of the some of the forward players are back. Uh, Gakpo got a goal, which should give him some confidence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Salah got a very typical Salah counter-attacking goal, which should give him some confidence. So, um, yeah, I, I I can see Liverpool winning this one. It's just that Newcastle are by far the best team in the league defensively so it's gonna be mm. like uh, Liverpool's forward players will have to be uh, you know at their best and not uh, uh, not leave a lot of opportunities uh, what do you think about this kid uh, from Liverpool Bissett is it, am I saying it right yeah he's probably been the best player of the season Loki yeah yeah he, um, yeah, and it's probably the kind of player that they need. If you're talking about that energy in midfield that was missing, um, he's he's come in and he uh, he seems to be he's going under the radar for a while, but now I think people are wising up to the fact that he's he's the guy who's like you know making a lot of impact there. Um, yeah, I like the look of him. It's too early to say like if he's the real deal, but I think early doors. It's a it's a pretty promising player. Does it piss you off to see like a team have <laughs> a player in their youth system or wherever they got him from? Like that's the exact player that you needed, and they didn't have to pay a hundred million pounds, dollars, or euros for him. Like then you're like, fuck! How do how come we didn't have our finger on the pulse of this <laughs> Spanish player? Was that? No, I mean you can always think like that, but then I can always. I always do. It's not yeah, healthy. yeah. Yeah, but you never know where this Andrew Santos guy lands up in a year, you know. And we got him for like twelve million. Uh, you never know where Chukomeka lands up. We got him for sixteen million. Cesar Casade, twelve million. So we bought some good players, really cheap in that uh, midfield area too. Mm-hmm. I think Chukomeka is going to be good, but because people cost more than him that you bought recently, mm. he's not going to get much of a chance. Yeah, that's like, always the danger. I think that's the bigger danger than not being able to get these good quality uh, players at low prices. Is the fact that sometimes a high price versus a low price can actually make the difference in game time, which shouldn't be the case. Right. Yeah. It's it's like it's high price, and if somebody's like homegrown, mm-hmm. like then like that's why I think Mount got a lot more game time than Pulisic most of the time. Yeah, like, because he's like homegrown, but. Also, Pulisic yeah. couldn't, couldn't stay fit. Like every time we try to give him some chance, he goes and gets injured. He was on the bench a lot, though. There's sometimes he just come in like late. Yeah, but like he he only is fit for that much amount of time. <laughs> like when the player, when the manager yeah. can't make plans around you, then you are gonna be a bench player. There, were, I mean, if there's I was, been times. If I was Pulisic and you was telling me this, I was like, "What about Reese James? They still make plans around him." He's injured more than me. Yeah, because there's no there's no backup for his shapes. <laughs> Pulisic is not that much better than the other guy in this position. You think he'll be gone in the summer? Pulisic, yeah, I think I think we're gonna have like Pulisic, Ziyech, 
Hudson Odoi. That entire winger position is going to have. Oh a, shit! I forgot about Hudson. Is he injured or worse? What's, he's what's he's he at Leverkusen. He's at Leverkusen on loan. Oh, he's not doing much. I know. You, I know he's you've been tracking him. No, that's not. He's. I'm not even getting a chance to attack him because he's on the bench there, which means he's not doing well. So, the guy that Bayern wanted, that you could have yeah. sold to Bayern and made some money, you could have yeah. ripped off Bayern, bro. <laughs> well, I think at that point, like he, he had an injury in ACL right after that, so. Mm. Um, I don't think we would have gotten the same price after that injury. Still but, got something. Yeah. Well, we might still get something. He's still young. But my point is, like, yeah. I think I think a lot of these players, like Pulisic included, mm. uh, like getting somebody like Mudrik and Madueke, two wingers who are like pure wingers, is definitely a, a sh- uh, threatening somebody like Pulisic's position. And he's anyways going into the last year of his contract. Like, if I'm okay. Pulisic, I'd be stupid to renew my contract at Chelsea. Yeah, when I see, like, all the grocery shopping that y'all did, I'll be <laughs> like, I'm just going to become that stale thing in the fridge. Like, yeah. I'm going to watch people open the fridge door and take out things and just overlook me until <laughs> the fridge is empty. And they might just buy more new shit again. Fuck it. All right. All right, guys. Anybody have anything else that they want to mention? I could say I'm that I'm going to be in, I'm going to be in Houston at the secret group on February 24th. So if anybody in Houston on the 24th, I'm also in Austin again tomorrow, miraculously at the show. I think it's free. The Armadillo, I think <laughs> something like that. Sorry, Lee, I cut you off. No, I was saying I don't have anything else to add. Uh, I'll wait until near the time to let people know what I'm doing when I'm out there. But um, yeah, it's yeah, not long now. This time next week, I'll be there. Right, boom. Cool. Oh, yeah. Any, anything? Shakravati, Sawyer's lawyer. Yeah, that's Sawyer's <laughs> lawyer. And uh, yeah, let's see who's Chelsea manager next week. <laughs> Hilarious. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Like and subscribe on YouTube. Uh, rate our podcast on all the audio platforms. And uh, leave some comments and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, engage with you guys back. Uh, we love you. Stay good. One. Let me uh, stop this. <laughs>